your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by Alex Johnson, James Boyman, and Ryan Williams. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. James here, joined by Alex, bringing you that classic ATP flavor. Doing a roundup of what has been a pretty crazy week news-wise for Everton Football Club. It's been a while since we obviously did our squad assessment, which if you haven't already checked out, go back and listen. It's been a while since we've just kind of... two parts. Two parts. Two parts to that. Not just one part. Double trouble. Exactly. If you want the rundown on what was the most painful season... That I can remember as a sports fan, certainly up near the top. Uh, We definitely get into all the numbers. It's really good. Uh, Check that out. But today we're going to get into the news of the week. There's been a ton of stuff, as I just said. Before we do all of that, just a reminder, if you like the show, if you're a subscriber, if you're not a subscriber, subscribe. If you are a subscriber, leave us a rating and review on your podcast platform of choice. And if you're not following us on social media, you can find all of our links at linktr.ee slash USA Toffee Pod, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And join our Discord as well. You can find the link in the description, invite.gg slash ATP. Now, let's get right into it, Alex. I mean, we've got a lot. We've got James Tarkowski. We've got players outgoing. We've got Richarlison sold. We've got Big Dunk. We've got consortium talks, takeover bids flying left and right, and some movement in the academy. But let's start with the first signing of the summer for Everton Football Club, and that is James Tarkowski. I guess instant reaction, Alex. This was obviously rumored for quite some time before being announced literally the day after his contract expired with Burnley. Your thoughts on the center half? Yeah, I mean, I think at face value, like a starting center back that probably, well, no, that does like absolutely immediately, I think, improve our back line as like a free agent is is a no-brainer. We'll get into the details, right? Like the contract length, for example. Um, but also we don't really know like the what, what the wages are. So that can kind of sway my opinion as well. But I think overall, I, I genuinely think Tarkowski probably includes our improves our starting 11 immediately and you know i'm pretty happy with the deal what about you yeah i i think it's a relatively low risk signing i think the the ceiling in the same vein is not super high for a guy who's going to be 30 in november right this is the type of signing that we have typically not really approved of on the show the idea is to buy young guys sell them for a profit this is decidedly not that bringing him in on a free four-year deal he'll be almost 34 by the time it expires and he's going to wear the number two shirt. I'm like lukewarm on this one, personally. I agree with you that he probably improves our options. And I think the big thing with Tarkowski is he's played at least 31 Premier League matches in like the last five seasons. So yeah, that's huge. Knock on wood. Very rarely hurt. We were joking in the Discord that like he's going to tear his hamstring like the first training match at Finch Farm. But I, I think in terms of like Everton's big struggle is just by keeping guys fit. So if you can bring a guy in who's consistently fit and available and can slot that guy into the lineup week in week out there's something to be said for just the consistency that that breeds in addition to that the guy's a leader right he's captain burnley he's well regarded by all accounts frank wanted him so i think there's definitely a silver lining or bright positive things to take from this on the other hand it's a signing from a guy comes from a team who's just been relegated similar path to a Michael Keane, another player who has been much maligned in the Everton <laughs> setup over the past few years. And I think the big question with Tarkowski is Burnley have played a certain style for so long. You know what you're going to get with Dice Ball. Does this really fit? Is he, is he the type of player that's going to participate in this 
renaissance of style of play that we're kind of hoping for under Frank. Yeah. I mean, so, well, a, like I like that you touched on, you know, like the leadership fact, because a, we know like for a fact, Everton need that in the team now more than ever. I remember Delph, one of our outgoings was supposed to be that, right. I think one of the senior leaders in the team that we were all like hoping for, but again, um, I think, I think whether he can fit this transformation styles is to be seen. Like, you know, it's rumored or people have stated on social media that back in like the earlier days, Tarkowski was like kind of a ball playing center back before going to Burnley and was kind of told like, hey, cut it out at this point. This is how we're going to play. Maybe to me, that's hearsay. I'm not really sure. But I will say, you know, if we're talking about, for example, the rumors, you know, Frank wants to go for a 3-4-3 this season. You know, if Tarkowski's in the middle, is it at is it as important? I'm, I'm asking, but is it as important that he's like an amazing long passer out the middle as it is for like your right and left center back? That could be argued as well. So it'll be interesting to see how Frank sets up the team. I know, I know a lot of people um, feel pretty strongly. He'll set it up as he has, you know, his, his teams in the past, kind of like what we've talked about, but I think we can definitely find a spot for, for him. And I'm, I'm kind of likening this signing to like Ashley Williams back in the day, the buy now to instantly improve you the uh the center back right over the hump type of signing so we'll see hopefully uh hopefully you got a good laugh on that one if you remember ashley williams but hopefully <laughs> he'll be he'll be better than you know the one season wonder and then the the crazy sending off in the europa league who remembers that yeah, hopefully he doesn't headbutt any fans i think that yeah. would be, if we can avoid that that's like a net that's a net positive for me i mean <laughs> yeah i think the there's still Jury's out on the formation Frank's going to play. I do think bringing in Tarkowski on a free opens the door for us to then sell another one of our center half options, whether it be Mason Holgate or anyone else for that matter, Gary Mina. Um, I I don't, I think if, you know, a net loss, if you bring in Tarkowski and then let Mina go, but the availability thing is such a huge factor just in terms of, you look at it from a talent perspective and then an actual on the ground results standpoint. There's multiple perspectives. He's not that big, but he's pretty good in the air. And obviously Burnley like to play with the ball in the air quite a bit. He's like six, just over six feet tall. Um, so he's not going to like dominate guys in the same way Yuri Mina does, but decent vertical. I think he's a pretty average athlete, but yeah, look, Frank clearly wants more of a leader style player coming in and Tarkowski hopefully can do that. He's been in plenty of relegation battles. God forbid we find ourselves in that position again. Hopefully <laughs> he's offering that leadership in a much different context. Um, and with the, Tarkowski incoming we also had a few sort of without much fanfare departures from Everton and that is three signings who typify I think the direction that Everton have have veered off in that none of us like and that is Cenk Tosin leaves Fabian Delft departs and Gilfie Sigurdsson also leaves Tosin on 60k Delft rumored at 80k Sigurdsson 100k I mean that's over 200k per week off the wage books for Everton which gives us also little bit of uh, additional flexibility plus the fact that well we all know what the Sigurdsson situation we won't comment on that but none of these guys really played or were ever sig- got significant minutes and so it's a lot of money off the wage books for very little on the field impact yeah it's a really good point because those wages right there that we're saving after the end of their contracts is should at least get very close to covering a lot of the wages for you know hopefully you know three or four solid signings maybe even five if we're lucky um, this summer as well so that's important and then we also Another, this one maybe I think is a, a little bit more sad for Everson fans, although maybe not always the biggest impact on the pitch, but John Joe Kenny left for her to Berlin. Good move for him. I mean, you know, he was at Schalke for a bit, enjoyed his time in Germany, I think. So should be a good move. And hopefully he continues to see the pitch over in the Bundesliga. Yeah. Wish, wish nothing but the best for old John Joe. 
probably about three or four years too late on this move. We've been talking yeah. in Discord. I know a lot of people were like, we should have sold him when he was at Schalke. Clearly, he's not good enough. He hasn't been good enough. He never will be good enough for Everton's ambitions, but he's a boyhood blue. He's slotted in at times when we really just needed a body, especially this last season. And he always plays hard. Nothing but respect for him. Hope he finds success in the Bundesliga in Germany, where I think really you could say he probably had the best season of his career, even if Schalke obviously had a uh, pretty horrible fate that season. But he, he showed a little bit of what he can do. I hope he goes on to be a really solid player in Germany for years and eventually can secure a move elsewhere. But happy for John Joe. Good for Everton to finally see him leave. Unfortunate that we were never really able to recoup much of a fee or get much of a fee for a player who did win a uh, U-20 World Cup with England. People forget. Uh, but He was the captain over T- uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold at the time, I think, right? Yeah, that's a lot of these right. other guys that are now like, have ca- kind of catapulted. That's funny how that works out. Yeah, it's it's kind of sad how he was just sort of leapfrogged in that entire setup. But yeah, I just think he kind of plateaued and his ceiling was o- only ever going to be so high. He, of course, yeah. was uh, subject to the classic hyperbole of Everton fans with a youth player, a local lad coming up through the ranks where you're hoping he's going to be the next great thing. It's been apparent to anyone with two eyes in their head uh, that that was never going to be the case, at least over the last four seasons. So. Sad to see him go, but I think it's obviously for the best for everyone involved. And, you know, there were rumors shortly before he left that the club were going to offer him a new contract. And I think that was ultimately just kind of a, a, a kind gesture to help save face. I don't think it was ever really on the cards that you would extend a player who, who doesn't offer a whole lot, frankly, uh, to the squad. I don't think that he would have really taken that either. I mean, like yeah. he loves Everton, but also like I think at this point in time, as you said, and a lot of people probably rightly so, like he should have been sold a bit ago. Um, he stepped in like, and we genuinely needed him to step in, but it's, it's time for him and his career too. Um, but I guess now we're forced to talk about the most important and also the most painful outgoing. And that is for Charles and the Spurs. And they officially, I don't know if you saw on Twitter, but they gave him the number nine, which hurts even worse. <sighs> I think yeah. for some reason or another, it just, it's a little, uh, it's a little too prominent. I hated, I hated how they were like taunting everyone with like the pigeons and, and you know, all the, all the stuff before his official like unveiling. Um, it's it's a massive deal. Like Everton as a business, you know, people are likening it to you know when Rooney left, etc. You know, needing the money, financial fair play, which we'll obviously get into in a second. But this one, I think, is uh, it was foreseen, but really, really rough one to take. What about what do you think? Yeah, just from like an emotional, true fan operating on not using my brain, just going fully with my heart. This one hurts. This one hurts as bad as any any transfer, any outgoing that I've experience as being a fan the type of player who was just such a galvanizing force for the squad through thick and thin never stopped running never stopped fighting he really there's not many players in like the modern game like the way that he just understood the fans and his fan interaction was constantly so hilarious like he's just a funny kid he came from nothing he gets to everton and he really embraces kind of the blue collar grassroots nature of everything and he he was such a good player for us. And we paid $35 million for him from Watford. I saw so many people on Twitter that were like, we paid $50 million and only sold him for 60 It's like, you know that song is not literal. That was like kind of a... There was literally cheek. for the irony. Yeah. It was the joke. The joke. It's like the whoosh. <laughs> the whoosh meme where it goes over your head. But regardless... All these bandwagon Everton fans, am I right? <laughs> yeah, right. So many of us out <laughs> so there. So many of those hopping on. It's getting so heavy. So many. 
but it just hurts, man. Like an emotional, I was an emotional wreck when I found out. It really cut me deep. I love the guy. And I can't even say I wish him well because he's going to Spurs. Like if he was going to Real Madrid to reunite with Carlo, I'd be like, yeah, best wishes. Like do great. Now I hope that he like sucks, unfortunately. <laughs> and it's sad that it's Honestly, come yeah. to this because I, I loved him so much in a blue shirt. But that's what it comes down to. And really... You know, there's been a lot of anger around this deal. I think not so much because of, look, we sold probably our most sellable asset at this moment in time. But I think the context of it, as you said, Alex, you likened it to the Rooney deal, to like the Lukaku deal, a situation where we needed to sell a player to escape some pretty serious ramifications in regard to financial fair play. You look at the accounts and honestly, if you guys want the in-depth stuff, go listen to like Paul the Ask. He does such a good job breaking everything down. But we were in a, a very perilous position and this sale at the end of the month, at the end of June, seems to have like just basically saved us from who knows what. There's conflicting accounts, whether it actually would have been like enforced and Everton could have been in serious trouble or if they had more time, blah, blah, blah. But by all accounts, at this point, it seems like this kind of saved our skin and that we're safe now. But we're left without our best, one of our best strikers and best forward players without question. And I think that that leaves Kevin Thelwell with a pretty big job to do. That said, we do have some decent depth at left wing and have for, for several years now. So kind of wondering, Alex, what you think about what we might do going forward. Do we look to like replace Richarlison outright? Do we look to let a guy like Damari Gray or Anthony Gordon slot into that position? Uh, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the interesting thing to me is I think it's been hard to see the best Richarlison when he's been played with Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Um, I think that like Carlo and I mean, Frank didn't really necessarily ha- actually have the opportunity very often at all, but it's been hard to see like how they both fit. You know, Richarlison like wanted to play a striker. He played striker for most of the season. I think Dominic Calvert-Lewin seems to be on board and we're not seeing, you know, any, any rumors for him outgoing, any, any huge rumors for him outgoing. I think we've got to use the money we need a right-sided player like we've talked about, like really badly. Um, I'd really like to see the money spent on a starter for the right-hand side. You know, like Emmanuel Dennis has been thrown around because he can play across the front three, kind of like Richarlison. We've seen a lot of like very similar stats to him. We feel like he could be a good good bit of business with like resale value, the type of signing that like Everton want and need to make like moving forward. So I think, uh, yes, I mean, we don't have a choice but to try to replace the 10 goals that Richarlison, you know, brought last season. And, you know, it, it could definitely be argued that we really need to be trying to find another, you know, 15 or 20 in the market or, you know, whether that's just Anthony Gordon finally finding his uh, shooting boots this season, which I'm, uh-oh, James gave me the eye roll. That's where I'm, that's where I'm cut off. <laughs> no, 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 no. The Anthony Gordon oh, sorry, thing, guys, God, I the, hope yeah. so. I hope he scored back 15 <laughs> next season. I would be over the moon. Um, but I think you're right at like the, the offensive output. We were having a conversation on the discord the other day about like, do we now look to sell Dominic Calvert-Lewin? And my thing was who the heck is going to score if you sell Richarlison and Dominic Calvert-Lewin, you yes. have to make, you have to then make a series of perfect signings who then immediately bet into the squad and fit for us to even come close to replicating that output. I mean, we got rid of like 70% of our creativity numbers wise in the form of Lucas Dean losing Sigurdsson, Hamas Rodriguez, and then you lose pretty much all your effective goal scoring in Richarlison and DCL the next season. Well, then you're looking to rebuild your attack. And we suck at scoring goals. I mean, you guys, if you've listened to the squad assessment, we're horrible at creating. We're not good at not that. The finishing wasn't so much a problem. It was more so creating. But then you take away DCL and Richarlison, and God knows what would happen. So I agree with you, Alex. I think DCL is probably pretty safe at this point. We'd have to keep him. Plus the fact that his 
you know, sale value, given that he was injured all last season, is probably as low as it can be, you'd think. Um, and if he gets back on track this season, then maybe next year you'd look at offloading him. It just sucks that Everton are consistently in this position due to mismanagement, right? Financial mismanagement, the losses. Again, there's a really good article in The Athletic about what this deal means and Everton's financial position, but pretty much have just hemorrhaged money for every year since 2018, 2019, over a hundred million losses every season, 372 million in pre-tax losses from 2018 to 2021. FFP allows for losses of 105 million over a three-year period Um, with obviously like there's an exception for infrastructure, exceptions for work in the community, all the things that Everton invest in and obviously the stadium. But we know that Everton have been working behind the scenes, talking with the Premier League to try to get out ahead of this, basically. And it seems like with the Richarlison sale, hopefully that puts everything to bed and puts to bed also like the ludicrous uh, lawsuit things coming from Leeds and Burnley, who are obviously sad about their situation. But look, sad Richarlison's gone. Going to be very interesting to see what what amount of that transfer fee we're actually able to then reinvest and how much is just to kind of CYA. I don't know. It, it hurts. It hasn't really sunk in yet. I think the first time we play Spurs and he's lining up in a white shirt, that's really going to hit me. And it's going to be it's going to be strange already. Like you said, the pictures of him in white are so weird, man. I I just yeah, it he, looks wrong. he better a he better not celebrate. I swear to God, he better not celebrate against us ever. He Unless won't. it's like winning the Champions League. But even then, <laughs> I don't think we'll be there. <laughs> Especially not that. <laughs> I don't think we'll be there. Um, yeah, no, I just think that the unfortunate thing is like we had the potential in like 2017, 2018, like right when when Richarlison came to like with the money invested to get to where maybe like we're fighting for a you know top five, top four finish by this point in time with a little luck and and some really good talent. So it's frustrating just because we could have been maybe the club that Richarlison wanted to be at in 2022. And I think that's kind of the bigger narrative that everyone is like so frustrated about it's, but obviously it is what it is. <clears throat> I think uh, I'm excited. You know, hopefully Thelwell does, does a good job replacing him. And I, I was just going to completely agree with your comments about the ambition of the club because Richarlison, it feels yeah. like he gave us every chance, right? Like after pretty much every year since he signed for us, he, realistically could have had opportunities and if he had wanted to force his way out he could have we obviously signed him to a new deal gave him better wages and every year it's like okay look we're going to try to get into europe we're going to try to match your your ambition as a player and we know how calamitous that's ended up but that's that's i think what really is as you said makes it the most sad is the fact that we could have been in a position where we're up maybe not directly rivaling spurs necessarily but in and around that conversation and instead we find ourselves where we are and it just became necessary that look clubs in our position, you don't often get to hold on to your best players. You kind of have to sell and replace. That's that's the reality of the situation. Unfortunate as it is. Yeah, and every everyone knew that you know last summer's tournament at the Copa into the start of the PL season and him missing whatever the first couple weeks was that favor. That was Everton buying their will to saying like, all right, deal, please go enjoy yourself, but like you're you're going to be here this season. You know, it is what it is, but. Now to switch uh, topics a bit, we have another legend leaving the club. I can't. Oh, okay, sorry. I shouldn't. I shouldn't say Richarlison's a legend. He's in our hearts, <laughs> but I actually am a proponent of not throwing that around. Um, but I will say this person is a legend, and that is Big Dunk. He has officially left the club. He's done his exit interview with a camera in front, so you can all see it. You know, he's talked highly of the organization. Obviously, the fans. 
um, Frank Lampard the whole nine yards and says that he's off um, to pursue his managerial ambitions. I know it's a topic that a lot of people have discussed. We have discussed numerous times over the last handful of years since he's you know uh, stood in over some impressive victories, some impressive clean sheets, et cetera. Um, so how are you feeling after this one, James? It's just overdue for me. Uh, and like candidly, I, I don't have the same affection for Big Dunk that a lot of fans do just because of when he was a player. That was way before my time as a fan. So I don't I don't have that like same background context of why wow, I loved watching him play and then seeing him manage Everton. It's like this surreal experience that said what he did for us in his interim spells was incredible. And as we were saying off air. Through no fault of his own, he became kind of the only consistent figure in the Everton first team coaching staff over the entire time O'Shiri's been in charge. So it's been, and ideally you would never have that or like an assistant coach. That's crazy to think about. It is. It is crazy. And it shows, again, I think it's more reflective of how inconsistent and just frankly poor the management has been that you would let that be the case. But he's stuck around. He's learned from a lot of the top managers in the world. Not talking about Ronald Koeman, by the way, mostly just Carlo Ancelotti. (laughs) But he's been here through a lot of different guys. He's seen a lot of different methodologies, a lot of different methods of coaching, of managing, of fitness, every aspect of the game. He's seen it all. Um, And I just think it's long overdue that he kind of tries to do his own thing separate from the club where he's been for the majority of his life. Right. Um, It's, it's probably been pretty scary for him, but I do think there's a market out there. I don't think he'll struggle to find a job. The question is over what, what level he'll be at. And I think he'll have to kind of start pretty low. Look, managing, you know, assisting Carlo Ancelotti will definitely get you in the door at a lot of places. And I'm sure he, Carlo will give him a nice reference to put on your resume, right? Uh, Carlo Ancelotti, Ronald Koeman, Marco Silva, etc. But it, it always felt like he was kind of in some of those locker rooms, the odd man out. I remember specifically rumors when Marco Silva was here about how he would only talk in Portuguese to his coaches. And so Big Dunk was kind of ostracized, etc. It just feels like, look, he, he did a lot for us in interim spells. There are people calling for following Carlo Ancelotti's departure following the sacking of Rafa Benitez for Big Dunk to be given the job full-time. I don't think he ever showed nearly enough uh, as a caretaker to justify the full-time gig at Everton, but I hope he goes elsewhere and develops a a tactical philosophy style that works for him, that is successful, and that eventually one day he can achieve his ultimate goal, which seems to be managing Everton. Like that is, I, I commend anyone in the game who's that is like your dream, right? That's huge as a fan of the club to see someone want a job so badly. I think the timing is a little bit interesting, but you got to think, I mean, hopefully we'll see some sort of announcement um, sometime soon, maybe even in the coming days. If I think my fingers are crossed just because I'm, I'm here for the scoop as to what's going on with big dunk. But I think he'll like, like you said, he'll definitely get a shot uh, somewhere soon and it's about time for sure. But it, it is an interesting time to see like, big dunk leave. And it'll be interesting to see if we like, you know, we haven't even really thought, or I personally haven't thought about, well, what happens to his position? Like is Frank looking to fill that or Frank slash Thelwell looking to fill that position. You know, I know we were seeing more links with Anthony Barry from, uh, from Chelsea for like a set Pete's coach, but that was just said, I think recently from a pretty reputable source that he's going to stay. So that's out of the question. So I'm, I'm really uh, getting more concerned about what that means for Everton and Moving forward, so we'll see, uh, you know, what kind of backroom staff we continue to build there. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, I, I still think it's kind of unclear exactly what his responsibilities were. I know at, at certain points he was like allowed to run training, et cetera, et cetera. What what 
did he bring that is now missing with the current coaching staff? I think none of us can really answer that in a definitive way. We'll have to wait and see if all of a sudden Frank makes another backroom hire. Maybe it's just a cost-cutting measure. You know, he's been there for a long time. He's got that tenure money, you know what I'm saying? Uh, so we'll see what the deal is there. But all the best to Big Dunk. Hope he's incredibly successful. As you said, Alex, and I saw some debate over the fact whether he's an Everton legend or not. I mean, I think from our perspective, he's one of certainly one of the most memorable players of the last 20, 30 years and just an unbelievable character in the locker room. And the Chelsea win, the ball boy hugging, those memories will live forever. And I'm incredibly thankful for them. No doubt. So this may be a little bit more uh, of, of contract talks or personnel talks. And this may be uh, good news for some. I think he honestly had a, we talked about it, he had a really good season last season, but it is rumored, although from pretty reputable sources at the Echo, that Pickford is in, or Everton is in uh, new contract talks with Pickford. He's got uh, two years left on his current deal. I think it was rumored that it was going to be another two years, maybe. Any any initial thoughts on, on giving uh, England's number one a new deal, James? Yeah, I think we, and especially Ryan, have taken for a while like the contrarian view on Jordan Pickford, that he's really not that good and that he could be somewhat easily replaced. But I think even in our squad assessment, the, the tune has changed. I think he without him, we almost certainly would have been relegated. I don't think that's too debatable. I think especially down the stretch, he was just so critical for us and his shot-stopping ability. And look, he's been somewhat inconsistent for Everton. No one's going to dispute the fact he's been incredible for England when called upon and has has garnered a lot of praise in those performances internationally. He's had his individual errors for Everton over the past few years, but this season, I think we talked about it in the squad assessment, the numbers, he faced a lot of shots, a lot of shots, a lot of good shots, and a lot of teams got lucky in terms of their finishing against him. But I, I think in terms of where the squad's at now, a two-year extension for a guy who's solidified as your number one, we're not realistically going to get someone in, I think, for a reasonable fee that's going to immediately replace him. And so I think it's kind of steady the ship, keep Pickford consistently after what he showed in the later stages of the season. If he could just be more consistent towards good Jordan Pickford, he's a very good keeper in my opinion. And uh, yeah. I think that's really all there is to it. Well, and you know, the other, the other point too is right. Like Pickford's not even into his prime years as a keeper, right? Generally speaking, that's a little later. I think he's what 28 now. So point, point being right. Like he's got a couple more years, like good years on, on his contract for, for being, he's got a good propensity for like improving as a player, at least even if that's just his consistency levels. And I think that's fair to say, but also it might mean like he could conserve value. And the other, the other point that we've talked about, you know, kind of in detail is just the fact that like, or this is a point I think Ryan usually makes is who, who is going to buy him, who can afford him that he would also be able to start for that club. And, And the list of clubs are, are getting shorter and shorter in that regard, especially when you're talking about keepers that may be, you know, not at the same level, but decently close to it in which the, you know, these clubs are going to say, okay, I'm not going to spend the extra whatever 15, 20 mil and the extra wages on England's number one for that. Um, But I I do think I agree with you. Like, I don't think, I don't think there's any negative for us, um, you know, giving him a new deal. I think he's been a, a, a very like solid figure for us. He's definitely become one of the more senior guys in the, in the locker room because, you know, he's, He's one of the names on the team sheet that have been here for years now compared to a lot of these other guys who, you know, contracts have ran. You know, we've had a ton of outgoings in the past, um, you know, guys that we didn't get any money for. So I think it'll be good. I think it'll be good to keep like the spine of the team together. 
Um, I'm sure at least him and Tarkowski are at least, you know, a, a tiny bit used to each other in the England lineup. So it can only be good. And again, as you said, I, I think we have other positions to fill with the money that we have to spend, however that much, however much that may be. Yeah. And a two-year extension, I think it, it feels about right. Like we're not re-upping for another five. It gives us a little bit of wiggle room in terms of, okay, say he's lights out next season and all of a sudden there are those clubs in England that are clamoring for him. I know the most recent rumors are that Spurs might be interested in re- replacing Larice with him as Larice's career kind of wanes a little bit, but that just, that just doesn't really seem realistic to me. So uh, to that point, yeah, it was unclear who would, who exactly would buy him and also unclear, you know, he's on decent wages now, presumably if you're, if he's signing a new deal, you'd have to imagine those are on improved terms for him. Um, but hopefully not, you know, overpaying and so far i, I feel like I, I just trust Thelwell with the wage structure and the way that he's implementing uh the systemic changes in the recruitment department at everton so uh, i'll give him the benefit of the doubt on this one and i think this is an overall positive all right so let's talk about another heavy hitter in this well this one is like the big news i guess and there's a lot of uh, smoke and mirrors regarding the topic but apparently moshiri has been open to talks with a cons- with a consortium led by uh, Peter Kenyon, and apparently the Kaminsky's family is involved. We knew essentially that the talks were occurring, and I know you can give us a a little bit more of the details, but essentially, per reports, they seem to have stalled or ended. Um, And this was in a bid to to take the majority ownership from Farhad Moshiri, you know, valuing the, the club at whatever, 500 million pounds. And there were a lot of rumors floating around about how we'd have to wait for transfers and, and how they had a period of exclusivity, et cetera. So how are you feeling about that, James? Give us kind of like the lowdown on on what occurred or where we're at currently and, and how you feel about it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you kind of hit it, Alex. And The Athletic has a good article about it. This is kind of just a quick summary, but there is allegedly a group. I guess the initial thing was that Moshiri, as we know, is a tad perhaps strapped for funds at the moment, given his close association with Alisher Uzmanov and everything that's happened with Russia and they're going after these guys and pretty much is always kind of known that Moshiri's real money was from Uzmanov. And we know that Everton had a number of sponsorship deals that have fallen through all that we know. Um, and as a result, it stands to reason that, well, if your main source of funding dries up, you're going to be a little, little hard up for cash. And so there started to be talks that Moshiri would seek outside investment. And that's when things, I think the ball started really to roll and it became that Farhad Mashiri would be open to actually outright selling the club. And at this point, personally, I'm kind of excited about the prospect. I mean, don't know Farhad. We've talked extensively about <laughs> what a behind his back. So yeah, behind his back. Hey, <laughs> if Just he wants an he audience to this show, um... if we can get him as a guest. Yeah. I'll, we'll say it to his freaking face. We'll say it. We'll say it. <laughs> but the man has not done the best job running Everton. He came in with lofty ambitions and a healthy dose of naivete, I think. We know all about the Kia influence, the, all of the agent dealings. After Marcel Brands left, you know, Brands had an interview, which we didn't even put in the agenda, but I think probably may touch on in a future episode, talking about how the owner basically appointed a director of football and then just completely worked around him and didn't let him do his job. Again, all well-established points. Point being, he's open to selling. He needs money. Um, And so this Peter Kenyon-led group backed by the Kaminskys and some others, seemingly mostly American, um, were supposedly interested in a buyout. 
And there was a lot going on and not a whole lot, as you said, Alex, Smoke and Mirrors, I think, describes it quite well. Um, But the group released their first public statement and basically said, we don't know what all this hubbub is about the deal being off. We're still interested. We want to continue talks. Seems like the deal has been cut off from Farhad's side, Mr. Moshiri. Um, the group also said that they're kind of disappointed about the publicity of the deal. It's been talked about in the discord. Typically these things happen behind closed doors. If stuff's leaking to the media, then something's up. Um, and I think that was probably the first sign that this really was not going to work. Um, and so there was, they were granted a period of exclusivity, which of course they can go into Everton's books. They can do a full audit. They can inspect with great detail, all of the financial situation, get a real, exclusive, as the name implies, look at the finances for Everton. Um, That ended last week. There was no deal in place at the time that a period of exclusivity expired. Um, Therefore, it seems likely that the deal is dead. Um, Moshiri from The Athletic, again, seems open to outside investment, but at the very least would want to maintain a significant minority share or just seek outside investment in terms of funding the stadium to get it over the line, which he seems at this point, pretty fixated on. So I don't know, Alex, look, I'm all for some fresh blood. I'm all for some competent ownership being implemented, but this doesn't seem like it's going to come off. That said, I think it was really the first serious bid um, that we know of that materialized. Doesn't mean that there aren't more out there. Um, Your thoughts overall on the situation and the deal? Yeah, I mean, I, I think like you, I was excited at the prospect of maybe a new owner. Um, you know, there are always the talks like, where's the new owner going to get their money from this time? And, and, you know, what kind of piece of crap is a new owner going to be potentially? Um, but I'll say, I find like the public statements from the group itself, very bizarre, you know, in my mind. Um, and I may be completely off base, but like, I don't know what Everton or like Farhad gains from, from like making a prospective deal public from the beginning. In my opinion, the only people that, or, or the people that would benefit greatly from that would be you know, the other group, which would be the buying group trying to build, you know, momentum, like they saw the fans and kind of the animosity towards the board. That's very public knowledge. Um, you know, maybe get some momentum like in their favor, especially through the media. So I I find that to be very sketchy, like in the end, to give the publicity of the deal, like to release the statement like you're talking about. Um, hopefully it's a it's a good thing that, that didn't work out. But I would not be surprised if there are other um if there are other investment groups in talks or, or considering it. I know there were, you know, very, very light rumors at the very beginning about maybe a couple other people uh, interested. So we'll definitely watch this space, but either way, I think it's going to be, um, it's going to be tough to, it's it's going to be tough to do with the timing of like the summer window and what we're talking about, like how we have to reshape the squad. We have so much stuff to do. Um, you know, that deal was rumored because it was going to happen in, you know, three, four weeks time. It was going to be very fast you know, like you said, the exclusivity, and that was going to be the positive of the move. And even then I felt like we were really, really cutting it close. So, um, you know, maybe an exciting prospect, probably a good thing. Cause I, I think that public statement was kind of whack, but, uh, you know, last thing, last thing on the agenda or last major thing on the agenda are, are some changes in the Academy uh, setup, which we knew we were kind of coming. Um, you know, we had the whole, we had the whole audit of, our structure um, as a football club in general. And, you know, Kevin Thelwell's here, presumably being allowed to do his stuff. Um, So we now have a new director, uh, Gareth Prosser, who replaces David Unsworth. Um, James, I think you've got a good, uh, you've got a good rundown of what his, uh, of what his uh, resume looks like. 
Yeah, I mean, the guy's qualified. There's no doubt he has the credentials uh, for this role, which with all due respect... It's almost like that's how it's supposed to work. Imagine that, Alex, right? You hire a guy with a good resume and not just uh, jobs for the boys. And again, no disrespect intended uh, towards David Unsworth, but never really made sense for him to hold that post. Um, And he seems to be departing to pursue a first-team managerial career as well. So why he was in this position in the first place, if that's his ultimate goal, seems a little strange at best. Uh, That said, let's talk about Prosser. Out with the old, in with the new, new leaf being turned. And Thelwell definitely has a relationship with this guy. So Prosser, for the last couple years, uh, from 2019 until he arrived at Everton, was the general manager of an organization called the Professional Game Academy Audit Company, or PGAAC. Um, which was a private company set up by the Premier League, Football League, and FA to basically do quality assurance on club academies. So the dude basically looks at club academies for a living, or at least overseas an organization that does that, uh, makes sure they're up to up to scruff. Sounds like a job that w- sounds like experience that would lend itself very well to then being a director of an academy. Um, and furthermore, he already was academy manager from 2008 to 2019, so 11 years at Wolves with Kevin Thelwell, uh, worked together pretty closely. You can see Kevin bringing in some of his associates from the past. And they did a lot together at Wolves. Wolves were accredited. They were one of the top five academies in England by, I don't remember the exact metric, but they were very highly rated and did a good job at developing youth, point being. And then in from 2006 to 2008, he was the assistant academy manager at Derby County. Um, so both Thelwell, Frank, and Prosser all have backgrounds at Derby County, roots at Derby County. A little bit interesting uh, how it all ties together there. But as I said, Alex, no question about the guy's qualifications. He's a bona fide pro. And I think that's something that's desperately needed at the academy level. And Thelwell has said from day one that that's kind of his main focus is, or one of his main focuses is getting the academy figured the heck out. And I know that there's been a lot of talk about youth players at Everton really haven't done a whole lot in terms of turning over players, even for significant profits at the youth level. So this feels very much overdue and it feels like a very positive step in the right direction, in my opinion. Your thoughts? Yeah, no, I'm really excited about him. Um, I love his resume. I think it's exactly what we need. It is interesting that they were, you know, he was at Wolves with Thelwell, to, you know, together. Obviously, that's not uncommon to, you know, bring the boys that you've worked with that you trust um, to a new position. So it's, you know, it's and obviously, if, if you know the the person and you know how they work, and obviously his resume kind of speaks to itself, then that's only a positive. Um, and and as you said, like the biggest the biggest thing really just has to be how do we how do we get the academy running as well as possible? Like, how do we make it work for us without sounding terrible? You know, we we need guys like coming through, like making appearances in the first team, you know, consistently. We need guys like able to go out on loan because their wages are not too high for a youth player. You know, all those things are important. So hopefully they'll continue to get it squared away. Yeah, no doubt. And um, just to just to kind of maybe counter the point, like, this this doesn't feel like jobs for the boys. There was a huge. I think they had like over a thousand. No, no, no. Several hundred applicants. You assume they did their due diligence, and this guy emerged as the best possible candidate, which, as his resume indicates, like totally right. likely that this guy was the best of the crop. And just so happens that it's a bonus that Thelwell has a working relationship with the guy. But we don't know exactly what happened. But it's again, it seems like a positive step. Um, and, and another news in terms of the academy, U twenty one new head coach Paul Tate promoted from the U18 manager. The guy's been at Everton since 2010. 
uh, in as as staff. And then he actually came up through the youth academy. Some may remember him if you've been a fan for that long. Um, made a squad a couple of times under Howard Kendall and was eventually released by Mike Walker, who was maybe the most hated Everton manager up until this past season. <laughs> um, so look, the guy has EFC roots. And then in the U18 realm, Leighton Baines takes over for Paul Tate. So I actually think it's kind of interesting that you have this contrast between Prosser, who comes in externally as the head guy, right? He's running the show in terms of the academy. But then you also have guys who have been at Everton and Paul Tate and Leighton Baines for years or decades who are then promoted based on merit. So you kind of have the balance of, you know, look, if you're competent and you're within our system, it's, it's not just jobs for the boys, but you'll be still promoted based on merit. And... On the other hand, if you're not up to scruff, then we're going to look outside of the club for a suitable replacement. I think that, that is a very healthy type of culture to have. Yeah, and we know we know that you know Leighton Baines has been involved for a while, and it kind of seemed and correct me if I'm wrong, but he had a very fluid role. He was obviously working with the youth um, with the youth setup, and I know he was also still like attaining or attending you know first team training as well, and kind of helping with maybe smaller sides and et cetera, and obviously still just being the liaison for a lot of those guys like Tom Davies and Dominic Calvert Lewin, and you know just a mentor, I guess is a better way to put it. Um, so it's good to see him like have more of a defined role as the U18 coach. Um, hopefully he'll continue, and obviously like a good role model and and person to look up to as a as a younger player too, like specifically at the club at Everton. Um, so hopefully it'll it'll continue to go well. Um, I'll, I'll never be mad about Bainesy at Everton. That's right. Dude's just a legend. He's got the hair. He's cool. Seems like such a cool guy. And as you said, a tremendous influence on the young professionals coming up through the Everton Academy. And uh, with that, I think that does it for our little roundup here, Alex. Do you have any final thoughts? We're obviously T-minus. We're now less than two weeks away from Everton coming stateside to Baltimore and Minnesota. If you haven't heard already, we, Alex, I, Alex, Ryan, and I will all be at the match in Baltimore. We hope to see you there. And we hope to record something later this week, sort of outlining the uh, series of events that will be taking place. I've heard a little bit. I've heard a kind of a framework of what's going to be going on. I don't want to say too much, but it's very exciting. A lot of cool stuff happening. Really look forward to hanging out and meeting as many of you as possible. We've got some cool surprises planned and I'm just getting like really pumped. It's finally starting to set in. Alex is uh, off for his bachelor party here in a couple days. So he's going to have a busy couple weeks before uh, and then head to Baltimore immediately uh, the week after. So it's going to be a fun couple weeks for you. How are you feeling? You're getting excited. Can you even get excited for Baltimore when you have this like big trip coming so soon? I mean, no, like, I, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm excited for both. No doubt. Like the Sounders, uh, the Sounders Portland game is going to be a big one like this weekend. So I can't complain seeing like the Sounders one weekend and then Everton seven days later, that's going to be like a, a dream to be honest. So that'll be, that'll be sick. I'm excited to, uh, to see everyone, meet everyone, especially like people from the discord. And uh, otherwise I think it's going to be a lot of fun, especially at the events. Hopefully we can make some of those too. Um, we'll have, we'll have some things to hand out. Maybe we'll have some stickers. I'll just say it. We'll have, we have stickers. You we finally spoiled got stickers. a surprise, bro. Oh my God. I wanted to see the reaction on this recording. Like, ah, uh, um, <laughs> just, yeah, we'll have breaking. stickers. So like hit us up because that's the incentive. It's not that you want to meet us, but we were going to do like a full merch line, but decided it was a little impractical on like one month's, notice so yeah we went with some stickers we're gonna just be handing them out so we'll have like a tent set up we'll hopefully have the banner like we had in florida um again gonna record something later this week hopefully with tony or maybe 
some other folks who are involved with the planning of all the events to give you guys the definitive rundown of everything you need to do when Everton comes stateside to Baltimore. And hopefully more to come on Minnesota. I'm actually kind of bummed that I can't make the trip. I originally was going to try to swing it, but with my work schedule, it didn't work out. So I assume there's hopefully a lot of cool stuff going on in Minnesota as well. And uh, just getting really excited. So stay tuned for that. Alex, any final words before we sign off? No, just up the toffees. Love it, man. Yeah, thank you, everyone, for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show. Again, links in the description for social media, linktr.ee slash USA Toffee Pod. Join the Discord, all of that good stuff. Like, subscribe, leave us a rating and review. We'll be with you very soon. Until next time, up the toffees.